and still an all-star uh, towards the end of his career, but he's still playing. So um, she says, if you come back tomorrow at the same time, he'll be happy to meet you. And I said, that is so damn awesome. Oh man. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And she was really nice and she closed the door and I ran down the hill and I, my, I knew my mother was home and I couldn't wait to get home. I said, I'm going to meet him tomorrow. <laughs> she says, are you serious? Uh, and I said, yep, I'm going to meet him tomorrow. And so anyway, um, I didn't tell anybody at school that next day. Nobody. I didn't want, I'm not a bragger type anyway. Yeah. It's sort of stupid. You're on cloud nine anyway. Yeah, so it was you like, didn't need whatever. To. <laughs> I'm going to meet him. And if it goes well, I'll tell the guys on my team. Right. You know? Yeah. Because they, they want to know. And they, they, he was still playing. It was a, yeah. Everybody was a Especially Baylor. the guy who told you you lived near El exactly. you tell They were either Baylor or West fans in those days. Sure. Right. right. So anyway, so. The next day I showed up and I'm telling you guys, and I, and I describe what it was like in the book walking up and my heart was pounding. I was saying, if, if at that time I was my age now, I would be so dead. I wouldn't even know where the <laughs> heart would take it. My heart would have fallen out of my chest. It was just boom, you know, like this. Yeah. And I've never been that nervous in my life ever before or since oh, most nervous beautiful. I've ever been. Right. Oh, so I knocked on the door and it took me a couple of minutes to even, Knock on the door because right. this time I knew for sure, right? So Ruby answers the door again and I reintroduce myself. And she says, Oh, yeah, hey, that'd be great. No problem. So she closes the door and said, I'll go get him. He's got Elgin, you know, all this. I, I hear it through the door <laughs> and I'm dying. I'm thinking, I can't believe this has happened. Wow. So anyway, so about a minute goes by. I think it's like about nine hours, but it's, it, it, you know, it felt like <laughs> yeah. that, oh, yeah. forever. A minute goes by and the door opens and there's Elgin. And I, you know, I'm not much. I was I was shorter because I was only 15, but I ain't that tall now. So, <laughs> You're definitely know, looking up. I'm way I'm looking I'm way up, and I go, hi. Yeah, I said hi. I'm I'm Ted, the neighbor, and she go hi. I'm Elgin, and like like I said, no shit. Like I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And, and and so instead of just shaking my hand, said nice to meet you, or whatever. He invited me in. Beautiful, right? He invited me in. I'll never forget it. We walked in. I turned to the left down this hallway. And he says, I'm going to take you to the room and we'll, we'll talk in there. And it was this private little, uh, like, uh, awards room. Mm -hmm. He had these giant armoires full of his MVP trophies and this and that and his college stuff from Seattle U and uh, his all-star game. And it was just unbelievable. And I'm in there thinking, I don't even care if I die now. I mean, it's, it's, good. it's like, right. No, it's like, like 16 years is enough. Yeah, I, don't need, I don't need to live to be 90. What gets better right. than this? Nothing. Everything's Nothing. downhill right. from here. Totally. Right. totally. So I sat in there and Elgin basically said, you know, just look around, enjoy. And that's what I did. You know, I'm looking at stuff thinking I've been reading about this and I'm, yeah. this is unbelievable. Yeah. Right. So we small talk and whatever I was there for maybe 15, 20 minutes max. Right. And then we, we got up and we walked back down the hall to the door and his wife came over and she was going to let me out. And he said, it was really nice to meet you. And, you know, take care, small talk and mm -hmm. good luck and have a nice life or whatever. Right. So Ruby's there and she opens the door, she said, it was great meeting you. I'm glad you had a good time, blah, blah, blah. And that should be it. Right. So she says, basically, you know, good luck and have a good day. And as she's closing the door. Okay. Zero exaggeration, guys. Okay. Zero. <laughs> okay. The door is like maybe this close to being shut. A light bulb goes off in my uh, in my head, thinking this can't be it. I mean, this, this was great. I got to do this again. This was like the biggest drug addiction <laughs> of all time. 
this is not like, yo, you're leaving. We're never seeing you again. And it was like this giant, like a, like a comic strip, a bubble thing said, get your ass back there or something. Yeah, do not. And do I was starting to walk away and I turned around real quick and I said, excuse me, Mrs. Baylor, as she's closing the door and she opened it up again. Yes. And I said, and I don't even know where this came from. It's just out, out of the top of my head. I have no idea. I said, is it possible I could ever go to a game with you guys? Oh, and she looked at me like you're looking at me like you insane or what? Because I, I, look, <laughs> I love it though. The whole time I'm thinking like you didn't get a picture, you didn't get an autograph. There's, there's no, no picture. There's no, there's no, no cell phone cameras. <laughs> right. or what? Like, what I mean, I'm walking around like a professional photographer, hey. at 15 years old. Oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, trust me, he has a picture. No, it's in here. Nothing. Nope. <laughs> nope. I didn't ask for an autograph. I just wanted to meet him. That is beautiful. Anyway, bottom line is, guys, um, she says, well. I'll have to ask Elgin. So I says, you come back in a, in a week or something. And we'll, you know, I'll, I'll let, I'll you, let know. you know. So you got invited back. That's all I needed, <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm invited back. <laughs> Are you serious? That's baby, I ain't leaving when you invite me back. And, <laughs> and every Halloween was, after. And, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have tickets. I didn't have a car. I couldn't drive. And this, I mean, you know, we're doing it. You're going to make something. it work. Yeah, this is driving to the forum. Hitchhike. I ain't walking there. You know, take three weeks. By the time I get there, the season will be over. (laughs) So anyways, it worked out so great. They took me to a game and it became a regular thing. Oh, no. I I became friends with his kids, Alan and Allison. And I used to go over there. And Alan was a a couple of years, um, more than a couple. I think it was like five years younger than me. And he, he used to invite me over. We'd shoot baskets in the backyard. Sometimes Elgin would show up and just practice his free throws. Mm-hmm. And guys, let me tell you something. To sit in the backseat of Elgin Baylor's car and go to the games and small talk with him and his wife. Amazing. And this is, I'll go. it's a long story to go back to your question. Why did you want to get into broadcasting or how did you? One of the original motivating things was we're driving to a game one day. And Elgin says to me, he's looking in the rearview mirror, I'm in the back seat. And he goes, so Ted, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? I'm about 16 and a half, maybe by then, maybe 17. I don't remember. So I said, I don't know, maybe be an NBA player. And then him and his wife started laughing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, laughing hard. <laughs> and, and Ruby turns around, looks at me, she goes, no, really? What do you really want to be? <laughs> I said, I really want to be that, even though I really know I can't be that, but I really want to be that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, maybe an option is if you can't be in the game, you can talk about the game. And that's one of the earliest motivations was when we had this conversation. By the time I got home that night, I'm thinking, well, I got to really get into this broadcasting thing. And guys, of all the people, this is one of my favorite, the, the last part of this story, of all the people that I have interviewed, and I've interviewed over 750, I actually counted it once because I couldn't. Wow. Over 750 Hall of Famers, right, in different sports. Sure, and everything. wow. Okay. Of all of them, the first interview I've ever done in my life before I ever even knew how to interview was Elgin Baylor in that same room. He, let, he, he says, come on in. We'll do an interview. I still have it. Wow. And I'll put it in an audio book sometime. That's I sound amazing. like I'm about four years old. It's really funny. You know, that's tape. Oh, so, yeah. Is that tape or a track? No, I, I did move it though. It's digitalized yeah. now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, before so it I, dies, because that's right. right. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. No, I, tape I, I copied it and it's it's great. Oh, that's beautiful. There's so much to talk about. 
you know, oh, guys, but, I did but three hours. On. Yeah, we Sorry, for I real. wasted this, thirty minutes. We made no hours. We all. made no hour twenty on this one. <laughs> but I gotta ask. So, yes. so you 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 basically befriended the Bader family. Yes. Right. So you came home, told your mom, your dad, hey, guess what I did today? You know, did, did, <laughs> uh, you went to school. Did you go to school? You know, you you're talking about that day, that yeah. next day. Well, yeah, because I'm trying to figure out because you're riding with them. So now that did, did well, just as it became a normal thing, well, this, right. was a, <laughs> this was a regular thing after that. I'm yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, so, I, I mean, like, oh, by the way, the highlight of all of those games, what you probably never even heard of this because you're not old enough. Uh, think about how great Elgin Baylor was, even though none of you guys ever saw him live. Yeah, think about if anybody now they did a night for him. Three years before he retired. Wow. So he's still playing and doing it. They didn't retire his jersey that night. Uh It was Elgin Baylor saved our damn franchise, Uh and we need to honor the hell out of this man. Well, he's still playing. Well, he's still playing. They gave him all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, it was was incredible. And that night, that night, he took me to the game. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's I had to get dressed up with him that night. Oh, and that he couldn't wonderful. take me home because his parents were coming in from Washington, D.C. And he says, you got to get a ride. I said, if I have to hitchhike, home, y'all make I, I'm going with <laughs> you. Get me there. I'll and figure the, out how to get home. The funny story there was we're driving up to the forum. The normal entrance that you go in. We'll tell to drop them off. They used to, the, the main entrance for the players and when you drove up to the Forum Club entrance, if you remember the yep. old days, right? Yeah. That little driveway up yeah. in the front. You used to have to come in, which is now, I think it, they call it Lafitte Pinkai Drive, which yep. you go into SoFi mm-hmm. if you turn right, and left you go into the yeah. whatever it's Pink called, K. the Forum yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. we pulled into this spot, and it's, everybody knows Elgin. Of course, he's the star of the team. He's the star of the league. Uh, Chick Hearn used to call him the greatest player pound per pound yes. who ever, ever lived, ever. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Tommy Hawkins said told me this three years ago a week before he died remember the hawk uh-huh. right he yep. told me i would take elgin over michael jordan mm. okay and that's pants. how good he was yeah okay man okay anyway so we're, we're driving up through right and everybody's like hi elgin you know they all knew it was a special night and we parked the car and it was me and his two kids in the back seat and elgin and his wife in the front seat and there were already tv trucks there waiting for him you know, different than they is now because you yeah. couldn't just feed it to the station, yep. go live because that didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. This is 1970, I think. Gotcha. I believe it's 70. So anyway, uh, so we get there. The trucks are waiting for him. And one of the guys comes out and he's got a camera and the microphone and, and the boom mic and the whole thing. And they're, he's, Mr. Baylor, you know, congratulations. It's Elgin Baylor night and all this stuff. And, he's, and he starts asking him a few questions, just a couple of questions because, you know, you don't want to bother him too much. Just got there. And then the back door opens, and I come walking out. And the guy looks at me like, who's the white guy? Who'd you adopt? Who's the adopted Hilarious. And, and Elgin just smiled. He just thought it was so damn funny. That is, and, and, and basically, I said, you guys are so amazing to take me to this game. And then they were on their own. They, they left me a seat. But it wasn't with the family. They got me a separate seat. Yeah. They were down wherever they sat. Right, right, right. And I was up. I didn't even care. I was Who cares? Bu- I was in the building. Yeah. Well, it matters. Right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, right. that's one of the great days of my, oh my life. God. Elgin. But you guys need to know there was no Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, or Michael Jordan Without night him. before they retired. No. Nope. Right. Never. Nope. Nope. And it won't happen. And it won't happen. The only well, thing. That's how great The was. only thing close to that. I don't even say close because you said three years before. That's not that's not, that's ridiculous. Right. That's not a that's not a farewell tour. 
That's not like not, cream. Was, not like the cream. That's what yeah. I want to say. That's the only thing no, that kind of like completely different. Kind of, but but right. to be like. No, you know he's gone though. Yeah, yeah you, you know, know that's it. Elgin yeah. was right. playing. Yeah, that was the last game that night. Like, still, you're a you know, you By the come... way, that game started, I think, about after eight thirty, like oh. a quarter to nine or something. So Late. did they do this yeah, before went, the game? They, they did this. Did, did this before the game? Yeah, they did it before the game. It was a whole. So it wasn't even like yeah. Yeah, the commissioner of the NBA was there. Uh, that's amazing. Larry O'Brien, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. the one of the, the real Larry O'Brien. Yeah. No, no, no. You know what? It wasn't Larry. O'Brien. It was before Larry. It was Ken. It was Jay Walter Kennedy. It was oh, before wow. Larry O'Brien. It was before the Larry O'Brien. Oh, yeah, there was no Larry O'Brien. That Larry O'Brien was like a lawyer at that. Oh man, uh, this is awesome, guys. We have to take a break, I love guys. This. We have the great Ted Sobel with us. The author of this amazing book, if you want to hear more stories, it's right here, Touching Greatness. We on know Amazon. it's available on Amazon. Uh, you can do the audio book. You can actually well, audio get book's the... not out yet, actually. Not yet. Okay. Oh, it's it's not out yet. Okay. So you could, but on Amazon, I know it's available because I saw it there. So go out there tonight. Go ahead and order this book because it's amazing. We're going to get more stories right now, right after this break. You're watching the Profanity Nation podcast only on the Infanity Studio streaming channel. We'll be right back. United One Protection Services. With over 30 years of experience, United One Protection Services has more expertise and knowledge than the other security companies combined. Residential, commercial, municipal, or institutional, United One Protection Services does more than just security. We protect your livelihood. United One Protection Services. Hi, I'm Renee Starms of the Starms Agency. Do you know why 97% of startups fail? It's because they don't have the proper exposure. So for the first time ever, Infinity Studios and the Starms Agency have come together to provide you with the Little Guys Big Marketing Package. Now this is for local Los Angeles businesses who are ready to launch, relaunch, or simply expose their business to grow. With this package, you're going to receive six months of online and offline marketing tactics in a customized plan for your business. You're also going to get a professional TV quality commercial filmed in an 1800 square foot studio with multiple screening options. So if you're ready to grow, go ahead and click that link. We also have financing available. I'm looking forward to chat with you. Click the link and let's go. Yeah. All right. Hey, welcome back yeah. to the show. <laughs> welcome back to the Profanity Nation podcast. Of oh, course, man. our guest here is Ted Sobel, the author of Touching Greatness and absolutely telling us wonderful stories. I'd like to get a little bit back to the book. Yeah. Um, I, I believe I, I saw an interview where, where you were saying that uh, – 
people kept asking you, telling you you needed to write a book, need to write a book, but that wasn't really in your plans. And then finally you kind of decided to do it. Uh, what was the catalyst that, that kind of put you over the edge to, to finally write the book, which everyone is so thankful for? Well, I appreciate that. I think a lot of the reasons became a reality after my radio station, KFWB, was sold in 2016. Because I yeah. thought about it. The reason I thought about it, because people told me for years, you got a story about Joe DiMaggio. You got a story about, you know, every single, like, old timers going way back, yep. right? And then, and, and then Ted Williams is like the first sentence in my book. Meeting Ted Williams as, a, as I was about eight years old, I was a little leaguer. Right. And he had just retired. Okay. And, and it, it was something like, okay, how, how do you have these stories? You got to write a book someday. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm not a writer. Okay. I'm a broadcaster. Mm -hmm. I'm a reporter. I'm a talker. Yeah. I, I, and that's a lot of work. It, it really yeah. is. It's like, I don't, I don't even know if I have the discipline to do that. And you got to have a lot. So anyway, in 2016, my radio station was sold and I, and it was about 15 years earlier, I had started writing just little notes and putting them aside. Like, uh, if I ever do this, don't forget to write about that story. Almost like little journal one. entries. You know what it was? It was like several pieces of paper. <laughs> so, literally. Just pieces of notes. paper, uh, uh, copy paper, uh -huh. right? Okay. They take out a copy machine and just notes scribbled all. And sometimes it was sideways and whatever. Just something like I thought about it and I wanted to write it down and not Perfect. And never forget. And I throw it in the drawer in a, in a little uh, folder and forget mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And this was like in the early 2000s, right? Okay. So in 2016, my station's about to be sold and I know I'm going to be out of work full time. And I'm thinking if I ever do it, I better do it now. Right. So I started to think, okay, maybe, maybe. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? Just do it. Just stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And by the way, uh, just do it. Where have you heard that before? Nike. <laughs> yeah, Nike. Mm -hmm. Well, it's in the book. <laughs> it's in the book that I came up with a, a, at least 15 years before Nike. There did. you go. And they owe me billions. <laughs> Where's that check? It ain't coming. It ain't coming. <laughs> I used to say that in high school and junior just high. Because, yeah, it was like a motivating thing. Because I learned it from somebody else. Not exactly that, but I used to say that, you know, like, just do it. You got no excuse. You, and everybody, you know, you're procrastinate about everything mm -hmm. until you either don't right. or do it yeah. and stop procrastinating. Yeah. Just do the damn do thing. Yeah. My, my grandfather used to say tomorrow never comes. Yeah, it may not. Well, be, well I know be, what you mean. Yeah, because he goes, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Well, your grandfather's then, a hell of a lot smarter than me. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> well, because me I mean, yeah, because it's, it's, the, it's in that sense. Like, oh, right. yeah, I'll do, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Exactly. I'll do it tomorrow. Exactly. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. You know, that's why it never comes. Exactly. You so I, I stopped saying tomorrow and I started. And once I was going to commit to it, I yeah, was good. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like all day, every day for three years wow. Wow. around my football and uh, schedule and mm -hmm. some of the uh, some of the things I cover uh, um, the masters and yeah. stuff like that. I still covered that in 2016, 17. I was lucky enough to be there when Tiger Woods. One, his, yeah. made his comeback yeah that's, that's awesome yeah, yeah. awesome well and th you know i i, I wanted to ask you Full about chapter on tiger in the well book and, yes. and, you know that's one thing i want to ask you about was with tiger because yes. you were there the first time we came at riviera um, yeah riviera, riviera the the hype obviously was it was crazy was out there it was, it was great. he was the pied piper right and <laughs> he right. did you know and everybody knew that he was going or had the feeling that he was going to be great it become what he is now. He didn't make that cut nope. the the first you know time he went out there. And he shouldn't. He's a teenager. Yeah, right. but but <laughs> but yeah. when I when I heard that story, I wanted to ask you like, what is that like to to 
watch somebody at the beginning of their career mm-hmm. and then see their peak, their their descend, and then their ascend back. Well, right. you know, it's a great question. It's not just Tiger because you right. could well, throw, you could throw say Kobe, Kobe in there. Oh, yes. Kobe in there. Same, totally. You know, yeah. right. totally. You know, um, what was it like? Well, at the beginning, it was just like uh, I'm covering some teenager and it's pretty boring. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm not into covering high school sports. That's not my thing. <laughs> yeah. I've covered pro sports most of my adult life. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. By the way, next year will be the 50th anniversary of my first damn credential. Oh, congratulations! 73, long, right? Yeah. 73. Yeah. When Jerry West was still playing. Oh, I love it. How insane is that? That is. I yeah. love it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but anyway, it. whatever. I'm still breathing. That's all. I'm <laughs> I know that's amazing. Yeah. So I want to ask you. Well, so, I was, let me finish oh, real sorry, quick. Sorry, Just sorry. wrap up this thing real quick. So. It was more of a deal where I I didn't like covering teenagers that maybe would be because you know ninety nine percent of them they flatten out. It's all hype for right. a million reasons. Right, you know that they, they get they burn out or they don't want to do it anymore or they never get any better or you know, all just so many different variables. Right, so with Tiger it was his dad was hyping him more than anybody at the time. And his dad was there, of course, that weekend. The original LeVar Ball. <laughs> yeah, somewhere, but not as, <laughs> not elegant, as yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not even close, mm-hmm. not, not in that way. And, but he was just saying one thing, he kept saying, Tiger's gonna be so important. It's not even about golf anymore. He's gonna be like Gandhi. Mm. Serious? <laughs> okay. Okay. So am I supposed to vote for him now? He's only yeah, right. Exactly. Where do I cast my Anyway, but he he you know he did evolve, right? right? But that day you could see there's something special about that guy. And I was there for Kobe's original news conference mm-hmm. when he was a teenager, yeah. and they brought him in, yeah. and it was like, okay, well, that's great. And he impressed Jerry West so much that he had to trade for him. Right. That was great. But you don't know what's going to happen with this kid. Nope. And he hardly even played the first year. Right. Yeah. And do you remember the last game of his first season? In, against at Airballed. Utah? Airball. Yeah. Airball. Yeah. 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 I was there in at Salt Lake City. <laughs> Airball. I, I have a story about it in the chapter. Sure. I was there only because I was the Long Beach Ice Dogs hockey announcer locally of the International Hockey League. And we were playing the Utah Grizzlies on the road in the playoffs and it was an off night between games so you're able to and i was game. already in salt lake city and i called up john black the lakers pr guy and say hey i got an off night and i'd like to feed some stuff back to the station i still work for kfwb too yeah he's doing both things just juggling these two jobs all Very over busy there's 82 games we had to do so it's right. just like the nhl yep so i was at salt lake city so they i said i'd like to cover the game no problem and when kobe took out the ball uh, at the last ditch effort for the Lakers to tie this elimination game because they lost that game and they yeah. were done, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, they happened to, at KFWB in the old days, the sports reports were 15 and 45 after yep. each hour, yeah. right? So I don't remember which one, whatever one it was. Uh, they said they were going right into sports. And they said Joe Callow was on the air at the time, if mm-hmm. you remember him. And Joe said, we're going to go out to Salt Lake City. Our Ted Sobel's there live courtside. Ted, what's the latest? And it just happened to be <laughs> Lakers are taking it out of bounds. The game's on the line. There's like four seconds left. And Kobe, inbound, they inbound a ball to Kobe. Another air ball. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I won a golden mic for that. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, wow. It was just total for calling that moment. random timing about everything. Wow. That's, wow. that's the Oscars for us radio guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it was pretty funny. 
And I told Kobe about that. One but that's time. the call, though. Like, that, yeah, that yeah. is the of call. Course. And I said, Kobe, I just want you to know the fact that you were a horseshit that night won me <laughs> yeah, a hell of a great <laughs> award, baby. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? He laughed. He, he, he okay, laughed. Good. Yeah, he laughed. But we had a great relationship at the beginning. Uh, and at beginning, meaning the first several years, he was very volatile. You know, he was just, he was a kid evolving as a person, right? So, um, and the Mamba mentality, there was no Mamba. That, that stuff didn't exist at the beginning. No, it was no, just, who is this that. arrogant yeah, kid? You know, forget that yeah. Mamba mentality. Yeah. That, that came much, much later. That came the last five years of his, yes. or several yeah. years of his career, right? But at the beginning, it was just like, hey, um, I want guys to do it my way because yeah. I bust my ass. Yep. And I got the whole story in there about the clash between him and Shaq. And Shaquille O'Neal is one of the endorsers of the, of the book, book, which is very nice. Yeah, absolutely. And just the fact that I was there every damn game almost mm. during that era where they just were bumping heads. And it was mostly because Kobe said, I'm going to bust my ass to do whatever it takes to win. And Shaq is the opposite. I'll show up. I'll be okay. I'm Shaquille. I can dominate just by eating Fritos and, yep, and yep, doing right. whatever the hell just I Just because I'm me. Yeah, because I'm. I'm a specimen. Yeah. Right? yeah. And Kobe has always said before, during, and since, if he had my mentality, oh my nobody would have been Absolutely. close to him would be ever. Best. You would be the best ever. Ever. Best ever. But, yeah. and, and then Shaq I think he'd agree him. with that now. Now he does. Shaq would yeah, agree yeah. with that. Not at the time. I, I have a quick question yeah. for you. It may, may not be a quick answer, okay. but um, <laughs> like you said, you've interviewed over 750 uh, Hall of Famers. Yep. Um, you've interviewed some of, if not most of the best athletes in the world. Is there a quality that separates them from the rest? I mean, there's professional athletes in every league that aren't Hall of Famers, but then there's the Hall of Famers. There's the Kobe's from the rest the, of the athletes or from the rest of the, society. Well, no, I'll just say athletes because okay. you have people in society that will yeah. rise to the top of their class as well. But just when you're talking about athletes, because that comes to training your body, it comes to discipline. What is there? Is there a, a quality? Like you said, you saw Tiger. He had to. Is there a specific quality that just kind of stands out amongst those individuals that, that you can put your finger on? I'll use my favorite word in our entire language, and I use it many times in my book, and it's called passion. Mm. Not everybody, because you're great, doesn't mean you're passionate about it, right. okay? Mm. If you got the combination of greatness and passion, now you're talking, okay? And there are a lot of people, that they just have so much natural talent. All right. Kobe had some natural talent. Of course, he's a great athlete. Absolutely. But Kobe spent hours and hours and hours that nobody saw him except for people on the inside. I would get there early and he'd be out there shooting. Yeah. I would get there late. I, I mean, I would stay late because I'm literally often the last guy in the building in the old days, not now because it's digital. Mm -hmm. But when we had to send cassettes, you know, we had recorded yep. on cassettes. Yep. It, it's everything is by the actual minute. You know, if I got a 12 minute interview, it takes 12 minutes to feed it into the phone, not 12 seconds yeah, right, digitally, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I was there late. I knew all the cleanup crew. They knew me and they got sick and tired of me. Believe me, I was there <laughs> late all the time. And there were times when you would see, this is the earlier days um, that uh, Kobe had a bad shooting night and everybody be gone. And there he was shooting baskets when everybody was home. And they were yeah. or, or in a club, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? yeah, and that's why he didn't go out with guys on the road most of the time. They were pissed off. Hey, you got to come with us. You're just being antisocial. No, uh, this is a business trip, not a road trip. 
It's not a vacation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the way he always, and guys got tired of that. Cause it, I mean, you, you would, if you're, well, that's that how they, they feel like they bond. Well, yeah, it's camaraderie. Other end, I yeah. mean, yeah, right. you know, you gotta be able right. to, team building is, is a part of team chemistry. Right. I mean, but so Kobe like, was above that. And, the, and a lot of guys hated him for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. literally hated him. Well, it was it was more misunderstood, wouldn't you? Maybe um, agree yes and no. Time? But if you're uh, if you're one of those guys, yeah, are, is that it's fair to be missed because yeah. like, hey, everybody has a different reality to them, right? right? And a different experience getting to the let's just say to the NBA, to the Lakers, right? Right. So, so they didn't all uh, get to that eliteness that that Kobe did, right? Mm. No. So you got to take it for what it's worth and say, okay, he's different. I'm different, but sometimes I can see your difference, but you can't see my difference. And that's what they felt about Kobe. Yeah. You yeah, know, a yeah. lot of them. I you mean, know, but the Smush Parkers of the world. Smush. I mean, that's <laughs> one of my favorite examples. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he wanted to, Kobe wanted to like, come here. You talk about Smush. I like to smush your face. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because you're not playing hard and you're not playing up to my caliber. I, I had the the luxury <laughs> yeah. of going to a few Laker practices um, and seeing them close up when Kobe was there. Um, and the stories are true. He would absolutely demolish his teammates. Oh, totally. I mean, he would ride them like no tomorrow. Uh, Sasha Vujacic was one of his favorites to rip on. Um, he would straight tell him, I'm going <laughs> to shove this down your throat and I'm going to make you. <laughs> I mean, he, it, yeah. it, but he did it because he thought it would make them better. Yes. Right. He wanted to get Tough them, love, get the most out of them. And <laughs> yeah. I, I believe in it, but Kobe didn't know how to stop. That was the problem. Yeah. He would go on and on. Yep. And finally they all wanted to punch him out, Yeah, but they can't do it. Cause he's, he's, he's your guy. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you, you, so they tolerated it yes. to a point, but there, you know, there were two few times where, you know, it was a little more than tolerated. They got in their, his face and, yep. you know, yeah. they wanted to be, that's why you got to stand yeah. up for yourselves a yeah. little bit. But, yeah. Yeah. but I mean, I, I think kind of Kobe probably kind of wanted that reaction. He wanted something. He probably he, he, did. Did, he didn't want to get knocked Absolutely. out. He didn't no, want to get. He wanted to see green. the fire. He wanted you know, to see like something. No, I mean he, wanted... he took on Shaq and Shaq oh, yeah, punched him. Yeah. And he said, yeah. "Everybody said, are you insane?'" He goes, "Yeah, I am insane." So if, if he's gonna if I, if he's gonna react to me that way, then let him punch me. I mean, he he just yeah. he had this like outer being to him. You know, yeah. just sort of sat on his shoulder and yeah. he, he let it be whatever he wanted. He's just a different cat. That's, yeah. that's yeah. all it was. Yeah. But that's what made him Kobe. If yeah. he didn't have that, yes. he wouldn't be as great as he was. Nope. No, but right. he also wouldn't be as big of a jerk to his teammates. True. So right. there's no happy medium in there. You either accept it or you don't. Yeah, he's going. You going? He's he was going to go all in. Totally. From the beginning. Totally. And he did that. And like you said, sometimes to the detriment of his you know, just getting along with his teammates, yep. he, 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 he basically, you know, kind of like shot himself in the foot in that regard. However, it was not basically for sure. Okay. For <laughs> sure. But when the, when, when, you know, the ends justified, I mean, uh, it's justified the means. It's like, kind of like when I have the results here, when right. I have the championships here, when I have this here, it's kind of hard for you to argue to argue against me because I have that behind me versus what you could bring to the table. And of course, if Kobe was more personable, it would be like, yeah, I can see your point. Like you were saying, like, and I can see your differences, but Kobe was like, he's like, he's like, man, George is my idol. So I don't know what you guys are talking about, and I and you think I'm hard. Jordan was just as hard. I mean, he, Jordan yeah, punched people. Steve Kerr. Yeah, yeah, Jordan punched people. Right. <laughs> Kobe got punched. Jordan was punching people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, saying like I could be punching you guys right now. Um, right, but so, that's one of the things <clears throat> that I that I stress in the book how he evolved as a person. So at the last 
handful of years of his career, he changed so much and he learned how to be a leader. Okay. And he credited a lot of that to Bill Russell by reading his book. That's and I talk in the book about how, if it wasn't for Bill Russell, there would have been no makeup between Kobe and Shaq. Mm -hmm. Russell basically grabbed back together. Shaq and put, grabbed them by the lapels. If he was wearing them mm -hmm. and said, you guys are being idiots. Yep. I mean, you can't do this. Yep. And, and, and they looked up to Bill Russell's like, okay, you're right. Whatever you say, Bill, mm -hmm. if it wasn't for Bill Russell. I don't think that ever would have happened. It would have never and, and that off. story's in touch of greatness. So, and so I was going to ask you about, cause Obviously, like you said, you have you've been interviewing all these great uh, um, players and and you'd also entertainers and stuff. Um, so, going back to your interview with or your time with Elgin Baylor, did that build your resolve to the point like if I can talk to Elgin Baylor right now and I'm freaked out? It was definitely your idol. At and that my point. idol, and I'm able to now. Could it get any bigger than that? Like, could, would anybody, would you be that starstruck again? You probably wouldn't. You know what? So that is one of the best questions I've ever been asked, and I'm dead serious about that. The way you ask that, I've been asked sort of that in different ways, but I love the way you ask that, and it makes me think about it in a different way. And there's no doubt that builds a confidence in you to think like, wow, if I could, even though I was so nervous, I mean, my, it's funny. Cause if you, when you listen to it and I can send it to you guys, if you want to hear it Please. sometime, yeah. but <laughs> when you hear it, you, you can hear the, the cheapo radio shack microphone or whatever was in my hand at the time. Right. You can hear me shaking literally mm -hmm. you can hear the, like the movement, the nerves. Yeah. And then sometimes I didn't know, I, I literally took a class at LA city college in broadcasting called microphone technique. Okay. I, but this was before that. So I didn't know right. my microphone technique. Right. So, yeah. I mean, there were times I was asking him a question and I already pulled away from my mouth. So Elgin, what do you think? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, it's yeah. like it's out of my mouth anymore. And you can hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's pretty funny actually. But, uh, and he, you know, he didn't care. He was just being nice. And I was asked, and this was uh, right after his career. And he was, uh, uh, I remember asking him about, uh, you know, the Boston Celtics and, and, and the tough years. And because remember they, it was like oh, yeah. seven times Lost, yeah. they couldn't beat him. And uh, Jerry West told me, uh, that he never had owned anything in green his entire life mm -hmm. because that's how much he despised them. But he respected the hell out of Bill Russell, and they were really good friends. Uh, and the same with Elgin. Elgin became great friends with Bill Russell. But you're, but that is such a great point. That built a confidence in me. It was like, hey, if I can do this with him, mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. else is pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And now, not that I thought it was simple, right. but you no, know right. what I mean. As yeah. far as yeah. personally getting over that, absolutely, hump. like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you going back to you know how Kobe was. Yep. Wasn't wouldn't you agree that Kareem kind of was like that too, and not being very personable person to Kobe Kareem kind of was too? worse in a different way, totally okay. different. Yeah, that's Kareem, what I wanted to ask. Kareem was difficult because he wanted no part of being interviewed at all. And by the way, Kareem might be, and I'll throw him in the top handful, but he might be the smartest human yep. I've ever interviewed ever. Okay. okay. Forget basketball. Having players. so much right. to share yet. Human. Didn't I mean, want to he's talk. An unbelievable to. person. Really. Mm -hmm. Okay. But now, I, I remember. But he wasn't. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No. But he wasn't like very social. He wasn't clubbing, partying, and doing well the magic thing. He okay. wasn't going well, to. The I wasn't hanging club. out with him, so I don't know what he was doing <laughs> on his own. I'm told. I'm only talking professionally. Okay, okay? guys. He, he was not personable at all. Okay. We used to joke during the Showtime era, right? Kareem would be the first one out of the shower, and if you're lucky. He would be the first one if you got him because he's out the door like that. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. And during the NBA finals against the Celtics back in the early eighties, I was there for almost every game at the forum, not not on the road. I was there for almost every single game and you'd get Kareem in front of his locker and he'd be shot out of a cannon. He'd be gone. And then I'd walk over to, we called him Irvin because he, he said, you know, my friends call me Irvin. Basketball fans call me magic. So I always called him Irvin. So I walk over to Irvin and we'd be talking to him for an hour after a championship. They won't even allow you to talk to them privately now. Right. You yeah. know, you, you got to get you them mean, in the room now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And if you follow them in, into the other room to talk to them privately, they'll probably, you know, put Chase handcuffs you on you. Yeah. You'll lose your know. credential. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, but then we stood and BS with the guy for an hour afterwards. And part of the joke was always, the, I wonder what Kareem's doing now. He's he's probably home with his feet up on the table. And and, and Irvin's still there with giant ice packs around mm. each knee. I mean, huge ice packs. And just sitting there and just shooting the shit with us. <laughs> and he was great. He loved I love that guy. Oh, but and, but, he, but that we used to say because uh Kareem was not easy to deal with. He wanted <laughs> no part of that. So he just didn't like it. Did he ever uh we'll say warm up? A little to, at the end, he was a little bit better. He's become better since. Yes. Now I don't know how much of that is because he's got stuff to sell, but that doesn't <laughs> matter. Uh, to me, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, whatever. Um, I've always liked him to a point, but he could be really cold. Too. Oh, yeah. But I remember yeah. him as a player mm-hmm. at with UCLA with John yeah. Wood. Yeah. And I go back for I didn't interview him then, but I remember him as a player and he was I think he was uncomfortable just doing that. Yeah, he just know? wasn't comfortable well, in those he was, situations. You know, I don't know if he was comfortable in his skin in those days. We're talking about a, a different era. The guy was a million feet tall compared to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, the spotlight is on him, and he had to evolve. And he was 3,000 miles away from home and away from his family. So a lot of that, you know, comes into play. And uh, I don't want to psychoanalyze him. No. But, but, you know, but that's probably part of it. You know, yeah. just a human. If I yeah. could ask, besides, obviously, on your personal highlight reel, besides maybe the Elgin, Elgin Baylor uh, interview that you got when you were young. Uh, is there one other interview that stands out amongst the others? Boy, that is so hard. I, I get that asked all the time. <laughs> I, you know what? Uh, um, no, not, there's not one. There's a bunch of them. Um, but, you know, some of my favorite ones are my favorite players. Like, I love the fact that when people say, to you, oh, you're so lucky you met your favorite player. But usually that happens when you're just a fan, right? Yeah. But in this case, sometimes I met them as a professional broadcaster or reporter. I met them after the fact. I was They were my favorite player years ago. Now they're older. And those are the guys that I got the biggest kick. The, the uh, You may not even know some of these guys. Ron Fairley, for example. He was a Dodger, right? Okay. Uh, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. A really good player. An important player in a couple of their World Series runs in the 60s. And he went to USC, and he just passed away a couple of years ago. I got to know Ron a little bit over the last time. Those were my favorites because I got I call up Ron, and I'm thinking I used to go to the game, buy a ticket just to see him play. play when I was 18, 17, 16 years old. And now I just go, hey, Ron, what's going on? So, you know, it, it's yeah. it, it still felt weird. Surreal. Yeah. It felt. I mean, who's your favorite player growing up? You got one? Of course, Kobe. Okay, so if. You know, if, yeah, if you're sitting if, down, yeah. If if only he was still around and and you just picked up the phone, hey, Cobe, you know, yep. Jeff, I just want to say hi. You know, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. it would be it would be sort of surreal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? You'd absolutely. get used to it. 
but every time you did it, there would be a little bit of that kid in I you. I got to pinch myself. Or the fan bit. in you saying, yeah. I can't believe this is happening. That's the fun I stuff. And this? a lot of times you meet people that, and most of, too many times, you meet your favorites and they're not what you hope. They yes. Are. Yes. And yes. that's yeah. in life. That's not just of sports. Course. That's yeah. life, right? So, I mean, it could be your favorite this, your favorite professor. It doesn't matter. And in this case, I've been lucky. Elgin turned out to be great. Don Drysdale, the former Dodger, sure. pitcher, yeah. Hall of Famer. He was. I got a whole chapter on him in the in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, and growing <laughs> up, being around him as an adult was like. And now, when I see his daughter and his sons that look just like him, I almost start crying every time. <laughs> I they look at me, they start laughing every time. Uh -huh. And you know, his daughter only didn't even know him. His daughter was, I think, like just a few months old when Don oh, wow. died. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's just a different feeling. And uh, it's special. And yeah. it's uh, one of the real uh, motivations of writing the book. Too. We're, yeah. uh, so uh, awesome. Last question, and then we're going to go to our final segment here. But okay. um, I know you can't wait uh, to get rid of me. I know there's, there's so like, much. Like, uh, time's running out. As you said, three hours is probably not even enough. Um, <laughs> no, do, you, do you feel uh, satisfied with the book? Is there more you could have put in there? Are there things you left out? Good is there questions. another book? There are... I, well, here's the story. Okay, my publisher says to me, because I'd never done this before, he said, I said, do you, do you want me to write a certain amount of pages? Do you want me to do it in a certain order? And he goes, I don't want you to do anything except for write down your stories the way you tell them. Just write them down, okay? Because I'm not a writer, or at least I wasn't. I guess yeah. I am now. You are now. <laughs> I am now, whether I want to be You're a not. published writer, by the way. Whether I like it or not. <laughs> I was, okay, so I, that's what I did. I just started writing the stories and writing and writing and writing and it was about almost exactly three years with a few months taken out of each year during the football season sure. I was too busy yeah. right so um anyway i was i'm glad i could squeeze in you guys during this football season i was in the studio all damn day no, today that's perfect. nine no. hours we, we appreciate, worked out okay. we appreciate four it. hour sleep baby five hours i love it great anyway appreciate bottom line is that um i i think that what the guy said to me, I hand in this, I, well, not literally paper, but I sent in all of my writings to him. And he calls me up like a week later and he goes, Ted, you wrote 1,200 pages. <laughs> and I had no idea. I just, you know, I'm just doing what he told me. writing the stories. Right. Writing the stories and try to put them in some kind of an order and, and, and like in an outline form so that they make some kind of a sense. Mm -hmm. And then like, here they are, you know, here's my Baylor chapter. Here's my Drysdale chapter. Here's my this, like that, Kobe, whatever, right? So he says, I, first of all, he goes, I really, really am enjoying write, reading your stuff, right? So I said, oh, I appreciate it because I don't know. Yeah, I have no right. idea if it's going to translate yeah. in writing. Yeah. Again, I've never done this before, right? Yeah. So I said, that's great. And he goes, but this is like three or four books. <laughs> so he says, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know. I've never done this before. You're the publisher. <laughs> so he says, we got two options. We hit delete button on. I said, you ain't deleting three years of my work. I'll right. delete you. Right. you do that. <laughs> yep. so I'll put you in the delete machine. Exactly. You got to be kidding me. Three Eleven, years yeah. in front of that damn right. computer. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. damn way. Yeah. And I had the right. Yeah. And so I anyway, and I so he says, well, the other option is we do multiple volumes of touching greatness. So I said, okay, well, then that's what we're doing. Because I ain't doing. deleting it, baby. Yeah. So that's the hopeful thing. It's got to do well enough for volume two and three to come out. I got some more oh, unbelievable well, stories. Well, well, They're I'm all pre-written. Yeah, we're definitely yeah. going to support just, just <laughs> to get to it. volume two and three. <laughs> and and four. No, 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 not four. It's just two and three. Two and three. Okay. All right, three deal. Are planned. 
deal. And one, one of them, have you guys ever seen the movie Slapshot? Yes. 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 Okay. Do you like it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Are you into hockey? Um, no, I, I mean, okay. I, I've watched it, but not okay. Not really. Okay. I, cause a lot of times you, you get into hockey after watching the movie. Yeah. yeah. Even though that kind of hockey doesn't exist anymore, right. but I lived it because this is from the middle to late seventies. Okay. When Paul Newman was the star of the movie and sure. all that stuff. So anyway, I, the year after that movie came out, I was in a league called the Northeastern hockey league. It was my first full-time play-by-play gig, minor league hockey in uh, new England. I had to move from L.A. to New England to mm. take my first job. And it was the exact same league as Slapshot, except for it was it was two years later after it evolved. Okay. It was the year after the movie came out, and it was two right. years after they produced it. Sure. So, And I lived it, like everything in the buses and the trips. And I, love and it. I have a whole chapter called Living Slapshot. It's not in this. It'll be in a yeah. future one. Right. And it's about uh, I had during a game, there was a fight on the ice where the cops in Utica, New York had to come out and stop at the end of the first period. And they started arresting people. Our half of our team was in the stands oh, with geez. the, it was nuts. <laughs> and while I'm on the air and again, no exaggeration, I'm on the air calling the game with a third string goaltender who just happened to be on the trip with us. And he never did. He never announced a game in his life. He was just helping me out, you know, filling it. He had a strong <laughs> New England accent. I didn't even know what the hell he was saying half the time. You know, pack the car and have it. Yeah, I had no idea. But anyway, sitting next to me. And during this fight and the cops are on the ice, I'm hearing and behind me, it's like we're in the press box. I'm hearing like a few rows behind me. Some guys yelling and screaming and what is going on? And I, I told the guy, I said, hang on a second. And I looked over. The guy who's the beat writer for the Utica Mohawks of the Northeastern hockey league wants to fight me. Uh, <laughs> he wants to fight me during the game. <laughs> so it was just spreading everywhere. Maybe that's living slap. That, that was wildfire. Wow. I got the whole chapter is on. You know, while we're here, while we're here, okay. while we're here, why not? Let's go. Let's I mean, do it. You know, you know, I gotta get some that of my guy. You know, he yeah. pissed me off about the guy he, didn't know me. It didn't and matter. it turned out it wasn't the regular, it wasn't the beat writer, the normal beat writer. I never did hear the whole story. I was on the road. You know, yeah. just a, another Tuesday night in Utica. I was the it was the middle of a, of a damn cold winter, and it was like, oh. what am I even doing here? I'm from LA. I'm an idiot even doing this. But anyway, bottom line was this guy was somebody filling in for the beat writer. He had the old typewriter stuff and all that. And I had to, I literally, I still have the tape of this. Oh, that's the cassette of me throwing my headphones down, throwing them down on the table in front of me. And you can't, you could sort of barely hear me in the background. And I'm yelling, if you want to fight me, I'll kick your ass after the game. (laughs) But we got a damn job to do and do it. Oh, my God. That is awesome. That is awesome. Do you know why, though? No, no. <laughs> he just got caught up in the stupidity of the whole well, you, And by the way, so this is the end of the first period, yeah. right? So what they did was the they canceled the, they had, it's the first period. It was like, I don't know, the last period. Yeah, was after the game. Period. So, so, yeah. So they, they, what they did was they, they canceled the rest of the period and say, we're going to make it up, but we need to cool everybody down, everybody back to their locker mm-hmm. rooms and, mm-hmm. and the crowd and everything. And the cops are writing tickets crazy. and whatever the hell they're doing on the ice. It was unbelievable. Uh-huh. So, between periods, I finally I cool down and I turn around and the guy was gone. Ah, uh, he ran. Yeah, he, he was ran. Gone. And <laughs> I to love this it. day, I know the trainer of the Utica Mohawks, whose name is is Pataffi. Okay. Okay. And 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 he is 
he he just retired as a trainer after like 45 years or something. And he went to the NHL yeah. and all over mm-hmm. them in Europe and stuff. Yeah. He just retired. He's now a stand-up comic. Oh, that's oh. Okay. And, and he is a really funny guy. And he was there that night and he helped me write that chapter because he remembered some of the that's stuff great from, that's from that's his great. standpoint, from his point is unbelievable that's that is all great. Oh, living slap shop baby. Awesome. i lived it this, this has been amazing this <laughs> yeah we need the volume two and the three yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely have you back for more oh, uh, uh of course the great ted sobel uh, author of the book touching greatness again available right now on amazon but uh let's go ahead uh we always finish our show with a segment we call money mics out of bounds okay all right so so money mike over here he's going to go ahead and share his thoughts or opinions on a topic and it's pretty simple he just wants to know are those thoughts or opinions in bounds or out of bounds money mike you got the mic so just you know so so you know ted you yes. know i always solicit my guests to agree with me he always wants to get on the yeah, yeah, like, you know, Rarely so, does get it. By the way, good luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> no, but I think you may. I think you may. You may not. All right, I don't know. Let's I, see. I either do or I don't. don't so, 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 yeah, I've been thinking. So, we know the uh, NBA season is about to start on Tuesday. And there's this guy named Dennis Schroeder that came back on the team. On the Lakers. Uh, on the Schroeder. 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 Close enough. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. So this guy turned down an $80 million contract and barely found a job the following year. And he, now he came back with this $2 million with the same team that offered him with the the same team offered him 78 mils. Right. Yeah. You know, I borrow a dollar. Go ahead. Now (laughs) I know if, if I wouldn't be able to do that, to show your face, to show my face to a, to a company or, a team where they offered me 80 million, you know, because I'm thinking everybody else is laughing at me for taking that too. Am I out of bounds to say that I probably would want to play basketball for any other team outside any of other the Lakers? <laughs> because I got, I'm literally coming in only making two million when I could think I, got I don't 80, think you're out of million. bounds. I think he was out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. you go. Okay. I mean, I just can't. I can't fathom turning down 80 oh million anything. Right. Okay. Uh, so it, it can't, it doesn't register in my brain. Yeah. Right. Uh, bottom line is that was, but to really, go back to the team, the really team that and take two million? to the team, to the team and just say, uh, okay, I'll take the two. It's very strange, but you know what? It's, it's a job, baby. Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. And at this stage of his career, I mean, he's already proven that he's a, He's a role player. When they were hoping when they got him the first time, he was going to be a lot more than that. Oh, yeah. yeah now yeah. he's proven who he is. So now he's just trying to hang on and say, hey, I'll take two mil. Where's <laughs> you going to yeah. make that at 7-Eleven? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. okay. Where's he going to make two mil his next job? Yeah. I don't I don't know what his background is. I don't know if he's going to be a professor he'd of end uh, nobody. Next, he'd know. end up the next Smush Parker. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? Smush. Yeah, he got smushed. No, you're, uh, no, uh, you're uh, inbound, dude. I mean, you're inbound because of the fact that <laughs> I mean, like you said, it's kind of hard to turn down that kind of money, and then I mean, safe face. This is like this is like when we say when athletes bet on themselves. You know, they say I'm, you know, I'm bet on myself. You hear that a lot in sports. He he bet on himself, and he's like, like Lamar Jackson situation right now. He's betting on himself, (laughs) right? He bet on himself and lost though. <laughs> so this is like we need to go ahead and give both sides of the coin when we talk about people betting on themselves. You can bet on yourself and win, and you can bet on yourself and lose. And he is the poster child of betting on yourself and coming up hella short. And so I just kidding. think that you know when it comes to him coming back to that team, 
Like you said, Ted, he showed us who he is. Like, yep. yo, like, he look, man, you were going to get $20 million a year, $21 million a year, okay, it. and you were not shooting 40% from three. Like, you still had some improvement to go. So I don't know what you were thinking on based on the numbers. Your numbers didn't say $21 million. The fact that they were going to give you 21 million based on the numbers you were getting. Freebie. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Take you the take money the money and, and run. run. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. One of the yeah. dumbest decisions of all time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you are definitely inbounds money, Mike. So you did get your 100%. Cool, Congratulations. Cool. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, that was a great one, definitely. Um, I, you set that up for a, a lob and we spiked that was, it. That was so. definitely a lob. Uh, that is perfect. Ted, uh, this has been wonderful. Let's Thanks. show this book really quick one more time, Duan, if we could. Uh, Ted Sobel, Touching Greatness. This is wonderful. Let me get me in the view here. Uh, again, go on to Amazon right now and just look up Touching Greatness. Ted Sobel, you're going to find the book. Order it. Amazing stories. We just barely touched on some of the stories in here. Uh, they go much deeper than that. Uh, this has been great, Ted. Thank we you. really appreciate yeah, having you. I appreciate you. it. This, this awesome. has been fun. Oh, and uh, we this look was forward. a special week for me, too, by the way. You know, I just uh, I was at the Dodger game the other night, and mm. for the first time I missed I, I met Mrs. Sandy Koufax. Oh, wow. wow. Beautiful. And Sandy's on the cover. Of course. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I've met, I've interviewed Sandy a handful of times, but I, he wasn't right above standing Vince there. Exactly. He wasn't standing there at the time, but the Dodgers were kind enough to send a copy of my book to Sandy. So they have it. Oh, she says oh, she wow. just confirmed. I got your book, you know, and, and they apologize. She apologized for saying we didn't send you anything. I said, "Hey, if you want to do that, that's great. I'm just glad to know it's in your house." There's right. still volume two and volume three. You can add it in there. You <laughs> yeah. can add it in there. TBD, baby. TBD. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's going to come. I, I think hope. it's going to come Thank with you. these stories. I think it's it, it, oh, much yeah. needed. That's we got to hear, yeah. hear, hear this, man. Yeah, hear yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, this has been the Profanity Nation podcast. Voice of the professional fans. We'll see you here next week, 8.30 p.m. on the Infanity Studios streaming channel, as always. Until then, have a great time, and thanks again, Ted. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ted. Peace.